0: Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2. In this Advent season, I have stuck with Luke chapter 2 and the beginning of it, and uh, my, my hope and my intent is to stick with that passage, as uh, this is the third Sunday of Advent, and next Sunday will be the fourth and final, before we celebrate the actual birth of Jesus Christ, but it's good for us to read this and to come back to it, and it covers so much here in these first few verses of Luke chapter 2. But before I get into actually reading it, maybe a bit of um, an introduction to this message on peace. The title of the message this morning is, Peace is Found in Jesus Christ. You shouldn't be able to forget the themes. Hope is found in Jesus Christ. Joy is found in Jesus Christ. Peace is found in Christ. And next week, love is found in Jesus Christ. So this morning, peace is found in Jesus Christ. How many of you have ever heard of the artist Travis Tritt. Recognize that name? Strange way to start a sermon on peace, isn't it? <laughs> well, Travis Tritt is a fairly well-known country singer. Before he made it big, he spent years playing in small taverns and bars and out-of-the-way places. And he said that, as you might expect, these were, or they could be, potentially dangerous places for him. His fans were mostly drunks who had a hard time controlling their tempers, thus bar fights would break out and even entertainers were in danger. How did he handle those risky crowds? This is what he wrote. Just when bar fights started getting out of hand, when bikers were reaching for their pool cues and rednecks were heading for the gun rack, I'd start playing Silent Night. It could be the middle of July. I didn't care. I'd start playing Silent Night, and sometimes they'd even start crying, standing there watching me sweat and play Christmas carols. The singing of a few Christmas carols brought peace to a bunch of drunken men in a tavern, And you know, Christmas carols can do that. The original Christmas carol promised exactly that. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. So we're going to read that Christmas story this morning in Luke chapter 2. But before we read, let's go once again to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of peace. Jesus Christ, you are the Prince of peace, that you came to bring peace. And I ask that you would fill us with a sense of your presence and the peace that comes with your presence, and we recognize that the world around us is not in peace, and even ourselves often are in conflict and chaos and distress or anxiety or whatever it might be. And so we ask that you would empty us of those things and fill us with your spirit of peace. We thank you that peace is is one of is in part of the fruit of the spirit that you develop it within us, you produce it within us, and so we yield to you and ask that you would accomplish that work within us. We thank you for your word and for the freedom that we still have to gather and to look into your word and sing praises to you. And as we read this morning, Lord, I just pray that you would grant us wisdom and understanding in your word, that we would be enlightened and enabled to accomplish your will by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. and She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Amen. In verse 14, we have the carol that the angel sang nearly 2,000 years ago. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men, or as the NIV translates it, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. It's a promise of that first Christmas carol. That is the story of the gospel. Peace has come to those who will find it in Jesus Christ. And so today, in this third Sunday of Advent, we look at that topic of peace. And there are a couple of inferences that I'd like us to examine or to consider from that statement, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The first one is that there is no peace apart from Jesus Christ. There is no peace apart from Christ. Jesus Christ is God's means of peace for man. And truthfully, we can't know peace apart from God's intervention. That may strike us as a bit of a direct or a harsh statement, but it is true nonetheless. We cannot know peace apart from God intervening. From the beginning, when man entered into sin, fell into sin, there was a rift that took place, a rift between man and God, and so a rift between man and everything else as well. And this is what the Word of God has to say about the heart of man, which is not at peace, naturally is not at peace with God. We are told that the heart is deceitful, above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, verse 9. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, right before the account of the flood, it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. It shows the wickedness of our hearts. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 3. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. That one thing happens to all. Truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. The Old Testament clearly declares that our hearts are desperately wicked. And it isn't just the Old Testament that declares this truth. Jesus Christ himself declared it in Matthew chapter 15, verse 18 to 19, where he says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies, on and on it goes. This horrible reality that we are desperately wicked. And then we have perhaps the most damning of all passages in Romans chapter 3. And there's a few verses here, but I want to read it all so that we get a bit of a grasp or a fuller grasp of how exactly wicked we are. It says there, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. This is lumping all of mankind together. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their way. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And I think that's an amazing connection in those last two verses there. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is man in his natural state. Anyone who has ever read and believed the passages about the sinfulness of man understands or believes the subject of the total depravity of man. That doesn't mean we're all as bad as we could be, but it does mean that we are all desperately sinful. And as these wretched sinners that the Word of God declares us to be, we recognize that there can be no peace among men, at least not truly peace, if there is no peace between ourselves and God. Our primary enmity and our primary conflict for man is with God. And into that brokenness and sinfulness, here the angels They herald a message of peace. That peace has come. That on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And what is it in? You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This is the message of peace that they brought. Do you think this was a foreign concept to the shepherds who heard this message? These men who... Heard the message. They knew the inner conflict of their own hearts. They knew the enmity that they had towards God that we all do. They would have known the Old Testament commandments at least, and they would have known that they couldn't contain or couldn't attain the righteousness that is required in the commandments on their own. They also would have known, practically speaking, that there was no peace in the world. They were under the tyranny of Rome. Even though Rome was officially at peace, for the Jews it wasn't truly peaceful. About 27 years before Jesus was born, Rome experienced something unique that history has called the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. It's the beginning of, or beginning with the reign of of Augustine, Emperor of Rome, and lasted till about 180 AD, about 200 years that Rome was officially at peace. They had few inner inner, uh, conflicts. The nation rarely went to war during that time. They had established their dominance and it was a period of peace. Something that for hundreds of years before this had not been known. But now we have practically in all the then known world, peace from war, this Pax Romana. But this peace, this Pax Romana was only yours, truly, if you happened to be Roman. If you weren't Roman, you were still the defeated nation. You could have peace with Rome, but it was... Peace offered at the point of a sword. You did things their way or there was no such thing as peace. And even for the Romans, during this period of so-called peace, it was still a, a time of violence and uncertainty. During that period, most of the emperors of Rome died by assassination. What kind of peace is there? So even in this period of history, which was known for its peace, there was no real peace, especially no real peace for a Jew. Nor was there lasting peace with God. There was no peace in the world or peace with God. And we would say, well, looking at that context, we could say there was no peace. But what about today? What about in a modern context? Can we find or can't we find peace in the world? And by that I mean peace in the world apart from or without Jesus Christ. I don't believe that is possible. It is not possible to find peace apart from God. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines peace as three things. First, it says it is, a state of tranquility or calm. We might be able to get that one sometimes. Second, it says it is freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. Can we get there? That we live free from uh, some bothering thought or emotion? And thirdly, it says harmony in personal relations. Well, you combine all three of them, and I can't think of anyone that I know that, that, that actually meets that definition and lives within that definition of peace. And yet we pursue it. I think there's a desire for it. But it's so unlikely that it is impossible apart from Jesus Christ. And the world, in their pursuit of it, especially without Christ, pursues it in in what we would say would be an imitation of that peace. It can be pursued in a bottle. It can be pursued in a drug. It can be pursued in even self-meditation or self-reflection. And although these things may provide some momentary relief from the storm that rages around us and within us, it never fully lifts us out of that conflict that we are in. And often those man-made remedies for peace leave the pursuer more unsettled, if not downright distraught in the end. There is no peace. There is no peace for man without Christ. And the reason that there is no peace without Christ is because our primary enmity, our primary conflict is not with our situation, is not with other people. Our primary conflict is actually with God. Man's primary conflict is with God. There can never be full and lasting peace while man is separated from the God that he was meant to be in relationship with. There is this ongoing tension, if not an outright war, within ourselves because mankind is operating outside of what he was designed for, outside of the relationship that God desires he would be in. He has broken away from that which provides meaning and purpose. And before man can ever know this tranquility or this freedom from disquieting thoughts and emotions, and before man can ever know this harmony in relationships, on this plane, on a horizontal plane... The primary relationship that mankind was designed for must be restored. Man must be made right with God to know peace. Which brings me to my second point. Peace with God is known through Jesus Christ. And that makes the first point hopefully even clearer. There is no peace without Christ. Because true peace actually means being restored to right relationship with God, which is only possible through Christ. When the angels sang that the Messiah had come, they were declaring that God was offering something that they had yet, not yet experienced. He was offering them eternal peace through this babe in a manger who would one day die so they and so you and I could be reconciled to God. This is what God offered in peace in Jesus Christ. And this is a fulfillment of of many Old Testament prophecies, but in regards to peace, there is one that is specific to the situation and is powerfully applicable. And it's not often used in context of the Christmas story. But Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, which is speaking about the death of Jesus Christ, it says there, "...he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities." The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The chastisement, the punishment, the beating for our peace was upon him. He suffered the wrath of God against our sin so that we could be forgiven and restored to God. He died. He suffered so that we could have peace with God. That statement that he was or the chastisement for our peace was upon Him, it shows how great a rift there has been, a divide there has been between man and God. It shows the destruction that my sin has caused, but it also shows the incredible love of God towards sinful mankind, that God would send His only begotten Son into the world to die for sinners, so that we could have peace with God. In Ephesians chapter 2, which is probably the most powerful passage on salvation, Immediately after it speaks about, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourself. Shortly thereafter, it speaks about peace. And I want you to, without getting caught up in a lot of the words, because there's a lot here, but see what it says about peace in Ephesians. In verse 13, reading to 17, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, speaking to all Gentiles, they didn't have the law, they were far off. He says, you have been brought near... By the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Christ is our peace. And it goes on, who has made both one, that is Jew and Gentile, been made into one new body, the church. And it says, has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh, that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. He says he abolished that through the death, burial, and resurrection, the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. In the process to make one new people, Jews and Gentiles. He says, thus making peace, that is peace between them. But he goes on and says, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. The cross is God's means of peace for mankind. He came and preached peace to you who were afar off, that's you and I, and to those who were near the Jews. We have peace with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. This is for all those, as it says, have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You have peace with God. That is how we know peace with God. There is no other way to know peace with God except by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And Romans chapter 5 clearly says and directly states, therefore having been justified, that is, made righteous, By faith, that is, trusting in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, having been made, or having been justified by faith, we have peace. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way to know peace with God is through Jesus Christ. Do you know peace with God? Have you been restored in relationship to God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ? The gospel is the good news that we can have peace with God through Christ. The angel sang this message to the shepherds out in the field that night. Peace with God came in this form of a babe in a manger who would die on a cross as a savior for all who would believe in him. Don't miss this message of Christmas this Christmas season. If you want to know peace, you must first come to peace with God through Jesus Christ. And for the one who comes to know peace with God through Jesus Christ, you can now experience the peace of God through Jesus Christ. Peace of God is known through Christ. There is no peace without Christ. Peace with God is known through Christ. And then the peace of God is known through Christ. So those distinction between peace with God and the peace of God. To those who have been restored to right relationship with God to peace through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. This, This Christ said, right, as he is explaining to his disciples that he would soon leave them. That he was going to ascend to heaven. And they didn't understand what exactly he meant, or how he was going to leave them, but they did understand that he had promised he was going to leave them. And there was some level of being distraught about that. And right in the midst of it, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give with you. I don't give it as the world gives it to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. They would continue to have his peace. They would continue to have that spirit of tranquility and calm. They would have hearts that need not be troubled. They would have hearts that need not to be afraid. Christ is in you if you've trusted him as Lord and Savior. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the fulfillment of God's promised peace. Where God says in Isaiah, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Do you know the peace of God? Or is it more that I'm living being troubled and afraid. Do not be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. He has left peace. He has given peace. Jesus would also go on to say, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In John chapter 16, verse 33. Peace with God leads to the peace of God. It is accomplished in you by the Spirit of Christ who resides within you. It is in Christ that you have peace. Your situation may not be peaceful. It may not look that way in the outside. Your situation may even be filled with chaos. Your situation may be desperate. But in Him, you have peace. Your situation may even be one of extreme tribulation. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good good cheer. He has left his peace. He has overcome the world. And if you were in Christ, then you were also an overcomer of the world. And you will continue to overcome the world as you rest in his peace. He is within you. You have his peace. No matter what the world or our current unfavorable situation may be, we are not moved by it. We are not going to be shaken by it. The peace of God which passes or surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. What a promise that is. And so we are commanded to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. That's to let it have full reign, to let it have sovereign control of us, to let the peace of God rule in our hearts, to which also we are called in one body and be thankful. Colossians 3.15 Peace is an incredible thing. God's Intervention in the affairs of man has provided for peace. He had in the past provided a temporary covering for sin, and in a sense providing temporary peace between man and God based on the continuous animal sacrifice. But he has now, in Jesus Christ, provided for eternal peace with God. The greatest enmity there ever could be, the enmity between sinful mankind and the righteous, holy, perfect God, has been resolved through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This babe in the manger was a message of, and a means of, God's means of, peace on earth. And having come to experience, having come to know that peace with God, we have now been granted the peace of God through Jesus Christ within us. And so, this Christmas season, regardless of how it looks around you, regardless of how anxious you may be tempted to be, or how discouraged even, we live in peace. We know peace with God. We have been empowered to have the peace of God. And so we we walk and we talk with peace and we live out peace and we work in that peace and we rejoice in peace. The peace of God has descended to us and now it flows through us, to every situation and prayerfully on every person that you come around. You are now a bearer of and a transmitter of the peace of God no matter how frustrating your situation may be or the restrictions may be, we walk rejoicing because we have a peace of God within us. This is a glorious theme. Glory to God in the highest. Give Him glory, for He has brought peace on earth and goodwill toward men. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, as I've read in each of the other Advent messages in closing, sums it up so well. Now may the God of hope fill you. May he fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that this would not just be another theoretical reminder of a glorious story of an angel's carol, but we pray that we would know practically in every situation the peace of God that passes all understanding. That even when we can't explain it and even when on the human side there is no reason for it, we would live in peace. Not because our situation is peaceful but because we are at peace with you and we are empowered by you to have the peace of God. I pray that our Christmas celebrations, however they look, and as different as they may be, we would have this tranquility, the sense of of calm and even of of joyful delight in the provision of Jesus Christ. May we find in you that satisfaction for our every need or every concern and our every anxiety. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.